Welcome in to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck. We are here today, February 20th, episode 17. We've done 17 episodes of this and we are finally uh, ready to take on the Preds' first four-game losing streak. How about that? Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm ready for it. I've been mentally preparing myself for this for a while now. You know, everybody talks about regression to the mean and um, come, Wait, coming off. Wait, who's talking about the, regression to the mean? Who's talking about that? Some people on the internet. You know, they, they like to talk, Alex, the people. Yeah. As if there's just some, like, absolute truth of, like, what a hockey team really is. And it can just, yeah. all, all you can do is just, all you have to do is... Uh, crunch the numbers the right way and you find the actual truth numbers numbers are incredible i can tell you whatever you want them to tell you wow we're already getting started off on mm-hmm. on a on a hot streak here because i'm i'm I, I just think i'm not i'm not trashing numbers people i'm not just saying the team has lost four straight and there's probably not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to it but we're going to try to identify at least two things that need to happen in order for the preds to course correct i i I say course correct because i think the predators are not necessarily in a bad place or in in a much different place than they were earlier um i think in a couple of these losses they played pretty well uh in a couple of losses they did not play well um but i i don't i don't think there's there's not a reason to panic. I think that there's not too much going wrong with this team. They've had a few bad results. I think that this week will be a big test on whether they can they can right the ship. But I do I don't want to act like nothing's happened. There are two things that I think need to happen, and I, I I'm curious to see if you have any extras as well, Sean. Um, um, I think I do think I have one to add. I will say that. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, but like I said, it's, it's the second. It's actually the second four-game losing streak for the Predators this year. Uh, but it's the first time that all four losses uh, were in regulation. They had one earlier in the year where there was one overtime loss in there. So, uh, and it, weirdly enough, the, all these losses are makeup games. All the makeup games from the uh, the two-week stretch where they didn't have any games earlier uh, from COVID. So I don't know. Maybe the Preds just don't perform well in makeup games. I, I don't know. I, it would it. Can you can you think maybe there's a reality in which they mentally prepared to have those mm-hmm. weeks off and just not have to play makeup games? I, I so, don't know. You know, I've I've heard this thing where, and I don't know how much this relates, mm-hmm. but where, um, you know, if you've got a particularly busy day, for example, you know, um, you need to go to bed by like eight nine o'clock. You're going to self sabotage by staying up later because you feel like you've been cheated out of free time during the day. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if it's something where it's like, yeah, we're supposed to have this off. You know, we weren't even supposed to be open today kind of yeah. argument that, you know, ah, that sounds silly. I mean, that that would imply that they were being vindictive. That That's dumb. They're professional athletes. Why would they do that? I mean, maybe maybe there's just something uh, in they need to play their games when they're originally scheduled. They can't do a rescheduling. <laughs> I don't know. doesn't make any sense. Maybe. But um yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We got we got several things to cover. We're going to go ahead and get started. Before we get started, though, we have something exciting. We have a couple of exciting things to talk about today, um, and we finally have on the on the Pred show, as it is currently known, episode seventeen. And we finally have some sponsors, Sean. Some sponsors. Let's talk about our first one. It is Relax the Back, which is in Green Hills, and. 
I would strongly recommend that people go to the Relax the Back store and check out the stuff that they have. If you want to work better, live better, feel better every day, you've got to go to Relax the Back. If you, As we all know, if you sleep well, you will live well, right? If you sleep better at night, you will live better during the day. They have a ton of options for customized comfort when you sleep, work, or just relax at home. I went to check it out. I know, Sean, you did as well. I, I checked out this thing called the perfect chair, which is like, it's just a chair, but like it really is, it sits, it sits you down perfectly. You sit in a perfect position. You can ramp that thing back and put yourself in the zero gravity position. There's also this crazy massage chair called the Chi XE, which is a, uh, it's like a NASA thing. I mean, it feels like you're in a NASA rocket ship about to take off to Mars. Uh, and then also for sleeping, there's this thing called uh, techno gel, uh, which when I laid down on it, I was like, this stuff is way better than any mattress I've ever had. And it's even better than memory foam. They have a memory foam mattress and then a techno gel mattress. You can lay on both of them and see the difference. So techno gel is awesome. But basically you've just, you've just got to go check out the store. A sleep agent is on hand every day to help you figure out how to sleep better and resolve any pain issues. So the store is at 2020 Glen Echo Road in Green Hills. You can learn all about the four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy work, healthy body, and healthy mind. So there you go. Relax the back. Anyone? Does anyone need any back relaxing right now, Sean? Anyone on the Predators? Oh, anyone on the Predators? Um, I don't know what, what happened to Mark Borowiecki, but I'm surely he could use some back relaxing. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I, I would say he, he needs a little bit of that. I think um, uh, maybe, maybe John Hines needs some because he's having to reach over those boards and yell at the refs all the time. You know, you're right. There's a lot of <clears throat> extra back stretching motion that's going on. And I feel like he could use a, use a turn in the perfect chair, if you know what I mean. <laughs> the perfect chair. What if he's just sitting in the perfect chair behind the bench? That'd be great. Great. Uh, that'd be awesome for relaxed back. Yeah. If they had that. He would look very comfortable. I'll tell you that. In the, in the zero gravity position. <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, I, I totally uh, forgot to mention this, but we got to recap the last week first before we talk about the two things that the, uh, the Predators need to change. Let's recap last week. There were only two games last week, both of them losses, as we've alluded to. But last Tuesday, Peter Laviolette is back in Bridgestone Arena for the first time since yeah. being fired. He's also on the verge of a milestone. If he were to win this game, it would be his 700th NHL win, which is the most ever for a U.S.-born coach. He's just stacking up the, that record, making it impossible for anyone to catch. Someone yeah. like John Hines. Uh, so lots of storylines in this one. Um, we had, like, it was a full hashtag narrative going on in the building. Just narratives everywhere. The Caps go up one nothing on a Joe Snively, which is a very curious hockey name. Joe Snively. That's not much of a hockey name. That's like a. That's like a. That's like a, a villain in Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> you know, I, I played. Uh, I played little league baseball. The kid whose last name was Snively, and he complained a lot, and so we just started pronouncing it Snively. There you go. Yeah, Joe Snively with a backdoor goal, but a brilliant pass by Connor Sheary to set it up. After that, the two teams really locked horns for quite a while. And, and to be honest, I really thought the Predators were the better team. They were playing really well flooding the zone with shots, getting some tips, getting some rebounds. Uh, but um, Samsonov, the goalie for Washington, was really, really good. And the Predators hit a ton of posts. They hit three posts in the second period. 
One in the third. Forsberg hit a couple, I think. Uh, in fact, when one of the posts he hit, the, the goal horn operator thought he scored, and then everyone went crazy, but it wasn't even close. Uh, a little premature celebration there. So then Michael McCarron, a guy who we might talk about later, uh, gets a goal that just bounces off of his head, I think. Uh, Bridgestone erupted, folks going crazy. Preds game, uh, the, the game was in the Preds' hand for sure. And then it wasn't because Nick Jensen puts the caps up two to one after Garnet Hathaway made a crazy tip pass in the slot. It was just beautiful. Then Ovechkin scores twice as he's always done, as he always does, just trying to catch Gretzky and including from the power play or from that spot on the power play. And the Preds were totally not in it in the in the last 15 minutes of the game. So, four to one loss Tuesday. Were you you know, here's uh, <clears throat> no, I was not there, but I did watch it with uh, with the kids at home. Um, here here's the thing. I was first kind of surprised, and I'd say that I'm probably in the minority here who is surprised by LaViolette's reception, and maybe that's just because as someone who covers the team, I remember how uh, persnickety it got down in the media room toward the end of the I'm glad you're mentioning this. I'm glad you're Um, mentioning this. Go ahead. Yeah, I just – I really was taken aback by the amount of love and appreciation that that the fans still have for LaViolette. Um, and I'm assuming, you know, they they look at him and they say, look, you, you had a coach for a very long time who didn't make much noise in the playoffs. Um, and then LaViolette comes in and they have quite honestly, incredible success in the playoffs for, for a few years there. Um, you know, gets, gets let go, I believe carrying a winning record on the season and, uh, all my memories of course are, are all in all of this post Stanley Cup run world where we're, we're having little, you know, little spars down in the media room after the games and um, just strange things happening with lines and, and line blender and, and all kinds of just, I don't know, decisions that really made you want to question like, hey, what, what the hell are you doing? You know, it well, just <laughs> seemed John, weird. I, I think th- there's a lot to be said. I mean, we've talked a lot about how different John Hines is compared to LaViolette. I mean, I, I covered Laviolette for its entire tenure here at uh, here in Nashville. Uh, John Hines is they might as well be two different professions. I mean, they're 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 different. They're different people entirely. And uh, yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that because it was interesting. You know, obviously, whenever a player comes back into town in Nashville, the fans. I mean, it would unless it's Ryan Suter. Like Ryan (laughs) Suter's the only exception. Uh, Well, Jimmy Vesey, although he never actually played with Nashville, Um, but. Every single player that comes back to play in Nashville, except for Ryan Seward, is like applauded. I mean, people people love it. It doesn't even matter how really minimal they were. I mean, like everything from like a Nick Benino who only played a few years to someone like Shea Weber to uh, when PK Subban came back. Uh, I mean, it's just like pe- people. And I didn't really expect the same kind of uh, uh, reception for Laviolette. For the reasons you mentioned, he was kind of the ending was pretty bad, but yeah. ultimately it makes sense because the 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 team saw its absolute peak success with Laviolette in charge. He took the franchise in a new direction. He changed the the course of this franchise for the better. Um, anyone who doesn't applaud Peter Laviolette and the job he did here 
really doesn't understand the, the, the history of the franchise at all. And it's not really a fan, I would think. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you on that. I think, I think, you know, the reality for at least me, I don't know about anyone else up on media row is that you, you have that last memory in your mind. Um, and yes. especially because it had been so long since he'd been back in the building due to COVID and all of the, uh, like this, the special divisional play last year and, mm-hmm. and everything that you're like, Oh yeah, you know, he really, he really took this team to a different level. Um, and if you kind of let go of the last couple of, couple of months there, you go, man, you know, this is really what took the team from, you know, kind of ah, where they had been mired since, since they had first appeared in the playoffs to uh, a team that could go in and make some noise and could be considered a legitimate threat. So yeah, it was, it was nice to see that response. I think it was, it's got to be refreshing. I think as a coach, you see it as a player, like you said, but as a coach to come back and have fans cheer for you, I don't know if it's necessarily vindication as much as it's like, you know, well, no matter what I thought they may have thought about me, they appreciate me now. And I think that's going to be good. So yeah. It was good enough that it inspired him to coach his new team to victory. Yep, and they won. They they <laughs> they beat the Predators seven hundredth NHL seven hundredth NHL win for Peter Laviolette. Wow. Um, then let's move to Friday's game. This was a makeup game that was in Carolina. A little bit of a different story, in my opinion. I never really felt like the Predators had the upper hand in this game. I thought Carolina was the better team pretty much throughout. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think Carolina is a better team. They're 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 very good. I mean, I think they're 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 kind of built for a late uh, a long postseason run. I think the Predators could be, but ultimately the the Hurricanes were are just real good. They they and they've had the num the Preds number of the last few years. Uh, first up, Brady Shea activates and roofs one by UC Soros. That was a really nice goal. Uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi puts the Canes up two to nothing in the second on a wrist shot goal from the slot. And Luke Cunning had a really nice goal in the in the high slot there, um, late in the second. But then even later in the second, Jacob Slavin Slavin uh, scores with one second left in the second period, and that was a absolute killer. That made it three to one. Then a power play goal puts them up four to one. They were really buzzing. John Hines pulls the goalie with over five minutes left, five and a half minutes left in the game, down three goals, uh, and. Uh, it almost pays off because Philip Forsberg and Tanner Janot both score to make it four to three. But then Roman Yossi commits a slashing penalty, trying to get the puck back. And that kills the rally. Uh, Hurricanes get an empty netter five to three final. Uh, did you feel the same way that the predators really were kind of just behind the eight ball the whole time in this game? Yeah, I feel like they were playing catch up the entire game. And I, I think the biggest difference for me between the Carolina game and the Washington yeah. game like you said, I think in the Washington game, they were in it. They were the better team. I think I think the biggest difference was you had um, a lot of shots hit the post that would have been goals if they were a fraction of an inch the other way. But against Carolina, you saw the team get down. You saw them play behind. And I don't mean play behind like they played with motivation and momentum to get caught up. It was almost like, I don't know, it's like they, they get that first goal. Um, Borvieski gets hurt. Um, and then they're just kind of, they're just kind of out of it. Um, and I, I did appreciate, I mean, I really appreciate cause you don't see it a lot and it's one of those, 
it's one of those mystical things you hear about on the internet, right? You people talk about it on Twitter that the right time to pull the goalie is earlier in the game and not later in the game. Um, we got to see that live and live and in, well, not in person, but we got to see it happen live on TV, and it was working. And that's I think that's the beautiful thing about it was that you saw a team that was down three goals score two goals pretty quickly and and pretty handily. Um, again. They can do that. They can they can play that way. They just hadn't been playing that way for most of the game. They chose to save it for the end in a weird situation. But like you said, you know, Yossi's slash, I mean, he was trying to keep the puck from being shot on the empty net. And if you play with an empty yeah. net for over five minutes, you're going to have opportunities like that. So it's, it's really tough once you end up in the penalty box to uh, keep bad things from happening in that late of the game and that kind of desperation situation. So... Right. Um, I, I just, I don't think, I don't think they were, I think the word John Hines used was they didn't play a consistent game. And, and that's been the whole strategy all year is that if you do the right thing from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, you wear the other team down, but uh-huh. you saw periods of time where they weren't playing to their full potential. And I think that's what kind of sunk them. The hurricane style of having a very high pressure team, or a high pressure attack where, they're just, you're constantly dealing with their forecheck. Their the defensemen are always activating. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a system that we know very well because of the guy we saw in the building on Tuesday. It's no. basically Laviolette's system that Rod Brendamore played under and is now coaching as or coaching with in, in Carolina. Um, it when it works, it is so, it is suffocating. It is so hard for teams to come out from under it, especially if they get a goal early, a couple goals early, which they did. It can just be even worse. It's like you're swimming against the tide basically the whole game. So, yeah, that, that's what happened. I mean, Carolina is really good. Now, if you get if you go into Carolina and get up a goal or two and then they have to take even more chances and you create some odd man rushes the other way and you capitalize, and if they don't get as good goaltending, you can have some chances. But, man, uh, Carolina is a tough team to beat. So, yeah, the Predators did, did you, not do that. Did you see the, uh, the fun uh, Hurricanes stat – that uh, Brian Bastin and I found before the game. No, what was that? <laughs> so since John Hines has taken over the team, he has coached the Predators against the Hurricanes 17 times. Yeah. And Barry Trotz, in his entire tenure with the Predators, coached against the Hurricanes 19 times. Wow. LaViolette was only 11. <laughs> wow. John it's Hines. over. I think it's it's almost twelve percent of the games that Hines has coached has been against the Carolina Hurricanes. And this one would have been even sooner. Remember, this is a makeup game, so this yeah. one would have been would have been yeah. last what November or whatever. I feel like uh, it was pretty early in the season. Yeah. So yeah, he got he got a few months off. <laughs> yeah. From the Hurricanes, and now they're it's back. Great. It's just it's weird circumstances that lead to it, but that's crazy to me. Yeah. So definitely so. Okay, all right, so that was their fourth consecutive loss. We've got to talk about two things that the Predators need to change, or I should say two things that need to happen for the Predators to course correct. But before we do that, I do want to talk about our second sponsor, and that would be a sponsor that I actually have been a fan of for quite some time, and that is HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the... 
number one meal kit for America right now. I, I would swear by HelloFresh. I have been using it. Our family has been using HelloFresh for for years now, honestly. Uh, when we finally made the switch to go to HelloFresh, it changed the way that we use, the way that we set up our meals in the week. It changed the way we cook. It changed the way we eat. Uh, I really, really swear by this. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. There's two things that most people say when they when they don't want to cook at home. They don't have time, and it can be too expensive. HelloFresh cuts it back on both of those. First of all, if you don't have time to cook, it is almost every time it's 30 minutes or less. Quick it, plus, there's also even quicker meals than that. You can, There are some meals that take about 15 minutes, uh, things like quesadillas and stuff like that. And there's there's 20-minute recipes, low-prep, easy cleanup options, uh, providing an even faster route to putting food on the table. And if you think it's too expensive, HelloFresh is 72% cheaper. Here's some stats for you. 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. I have seen that in action. We have... Um, cut down our grocery bill because we're getting HelloFresh every week. We've been getting it. We get three meals a week, every single week. Uh, and if you would like to try it out, you got to go to HelloFresh.com slash Preds16. That's P-R-E-D-S 16. Use the code Preds16 and you can get 16 free meals and three gifts. So if you would like to get, here, let me say this again. You're getting 16 free meals from HelloFresh. By going to uh, HelloFresh.com slash Pred16, you will get 16 free meals and three free gifts. And they, they just throw in free gifts in your box all the time. You'll get like candy bars and sparkling water and stuff like that, condiments, all kinds of stuff. Um, I love it. It's great. I know, Sean, you're going to get a box at some point to, to, to test it out, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, I can't wait. And, and free gifts, that sounds really exciting. Yeah, it's like it's like free food stuff that they that they're promoting. So, anyways, check it out. HelloFresh promo code Pred sixteen to get sixteen free meals. Okay, I want to talk about two things that need to change, and I, I really came up with these yesterday because I, I was trying to figure out exactly what was going on uh, with the Predators, and I, I think that there's there's one guy that stands out to me as someone that if if this per if this player were to be more active and to be more productive. Uh, I think you would see some some change. Right now, the the Predators are a top-heavy team. I think you'd agree with that, right? It's like Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, occasionally Ryan Johansson, and, and def definitely Mikhail Granlin in there. And then and then you've got the Janot-Trennan line, which yeah. they may not be productive every time, but every single time they're out there, it's good things happen, right? That, that, that's a great line. Outside yeah. of that, it is incredibly inconsistent in terms of who's going to be productive. The Johansson line sometimes. Luke Cunning showed up for one goal, but like he, he hasn't really been there the whole time. Uh, you've got Nick Cousins is out right now. And then you've got this really weird line at the bottom of the lineup. And that's where I'm going with this. I think the number one thing is Philip Tomasino needs to be moved up in the lineup. He's doing way too well on his own, and I'm going to show some stats here in a second to, to prove that. But I think that Philip Tomasino has the potential to really break out in the second half if you give him better lineup uh, line mates. 
first reaction, what do you think about that? Uh, not only do I agree, but I've, I've really had to restrain myself from shouting it at the television quite often. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'll say this, and I'm very interested to see the stats because, as as we know, as much as you're a full picture boy, I am definitely not a, a stat boy. So I, <laughs> I don't understand a lot of the numbers. And when you explain it to me, it helps me understand. But you, I see in Philip Tomasino, and I've, I've tried to play devil's advocate and say that he's been on this line because he's not getting the opportunity to play in Milwaukee. He's not getting that time with Carl Taylor to round out his game and that this has been an attempt and an effort to let him learn to have a uh, grittier edge to his game, a more physical edge to his game, to play a little more defensive-mindedly as, as well as offensively, which is something you've you've started to see out of Ellie Tolvanen, although you're not necessarily seeing the offensive production you'd like to see. But yeah. This kid's ready to go, and I think that the more time he spends on the fourth line, I think the greater risk you are for putting him into a situation where he's, he's going to get hurt, he's not going to be ready to go in and play these big minutes when he needs to, which is when he's young, and, and to get the opportunity to play with some more skilled line mates because the times when I've seen him do that, whether it's been at you know the, uh, the rookie development camp or – um, you know, before the season starts and all the, the preseason games and stuff like that, you're seeing him produce. You're seeing him really kind of take command of the ice. And I want to see that now that we're this deep into the season. I think it's time. Philip Tomasino's puck skills and vision are there. We have not seen him shoot the puck a whole lot. He has shot – I think, what does he have, like six goals, something like that? I mean, he doesn't have that many goals. I think six is right. Yeah, six goals, nine assists. The problem is when he is stuck on a line with Michael McCarron and Cole Smith, two guys who really are are just barely even AHL player. I mean, they're they're AHL players. Michael McCarron is an AHL player. Cole Smith, I guess, is too. Those guys are not NHL wingers for a guy that that needs some some quality on the other end of it. And I think part of it has been uh you know Nick Cousins goes out with an injury so they're trying to replace something that Nick Cousins has. Um but there's also there's and we're going to get we're going to the second thing that needs to change is really more about those guys. But let me actually, let me just go ahead and talk about this because T- Tomasino to me I have seen a lot of really good things. I've seen tons of individual play that looks really good. And so I went to some of the, uh, some of the expected goal stats. And so um, just a real quick recap, expected goals. All it tells you is based on where this guy is shooting and also what kind of shot he has. And like, like the context of the shot taking place shot attempt, I should say, based on the context of the shot attempt that he's taking, how, how much would we expect it to result in a goal? So if, Philip Forsberg takes a wrist shot from the slot area. That's a pretty, pretty good, or anyone really, that's a pretty good uh, chance of a goal happening. If someone takes a slap shot from the blue line, that has a less chance of resulting in a goal, still some, but just less Um, and so forth. So you add those all up and it leads to a certain, certain amount. And that is how many expected goals. It's not dissimilar from things that baseball and football use in terms of like expected 
scores. Uh, it, it's not, it's very similar. Okay. So let me show you this. This is where, and I, this is, I tweeted this out. So I just, I just pulled it for mine because I, I, uh, this is just easier. The Preds leaders in individual expected goals per 60 minutes. So what that means is every 60 minutes, this is the number of individual expected goals. This individual person is generating this amount of expected goals. The leader on the Preds in that category is Philip Tomasino. He is ahead of Jakob Trennan. He is ahead of Philip Forsberg. He is ahead of Tanner Janot. He is ahead of every single person on the Predators roster. 0.99, almost a full goal. So, like, that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it, it, it really actually is in terms of most of the time you see, like, one game, the leader on the team will have, like, I don't know, 0.08 or something or 0.10. So, like, he's got a lot. He's, it, it, this is quite a lot of individual expected goals per 60 minutes. Um, now, Philip Forsberg plays on a line with Matt Duchesne and Mikhail Granlund. Jakob Trennan and Tanner Janot play together with Colton Sissons. That all makes sense. Philip Tomasino, the leader on the Preds in individual expected goals, is playing with AHL players and big-bodied guys that like to play physical and are not all that skilled with the puck. Michael McCarron's goal last week was scored when it, the puck hit him off his head or his upper body or whatever it was. Um and Cole Smith is just not, I mean, I'm sorry, Cole Smith's not an NHLer. Real, John Hines really likes him for some reason, I guess because he's big. Um, Philip Tomasino needs to be playing with better line mates than this. So there you go. That's 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 the first thing. And 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 I, I don't see any reason why Philip Tomasino should not play with Ryan Johansson specifically. Put him with Ryan Johansson. Tomasino, Johansson, Tolvanen, that line would be awesome. I have another line that I, I think would also make sense, but we'll get to that in a second thing. So I initial reaction. Did you, did you have a, any idea that Philip Tomasino led the, the, the predators in this category? No, I, I didn't. And I'm actually kind of surprised because you also have Yakov Trinan up above Philip Forsberg as well. Ooh. And I mean, yeah. I guess you, you said, you know, good things happen when the herd lines on the ice. And I, I've, I would agree with that just based on watching, but looking at the numbers that makes me realize, um, you know, I do see Trennan. I've always seen him play tenaciously, um, but seeing that that actually yields, you know, him getting up close and getting good chances is impressive too. Because I think he's he's a player. I know we're not supposed to be talking about Trennan here. No, but, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> he's a player that I think has a very well-rounded game. He looks like a he looks like a menace on the forecheck, but um, I think that also leads to a lot of situations where he finds himself in possession of the puck again and uh, ready to score in front of the net. So no, it, uh, it, it, it makes sense. I, 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 it's fine to mention Trennan because here's the point. Trennan is paired with guys that match his abilities. Right. Trennan and Janot is a match made in heaven. I mean, they're perfect together. They both play the game very similarly and they're very good. They're very good with the puck. And, and like that line makes so much sense. Tomasino with Cole Smith and Michael McCarron makes zero sense. You're you're a car guy. Tomasino with with those guys is like if you had, I don't know, name a name a really awesome classic car. What's a good classic car? A, a really awesome like you know, like like a Camaro or something. Maybe a okay. Mustang. All right, so like a, a Camaro from the I don't know. Give me a year, sixty seven. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, anything in the late 60s is pretty cool. Okay, so. 67 Camaro. 
putting a 67 Camaro in the same garage as a 2010 PT Cruiser and being like, here's my car collection. I got a 67 Camaro and I've got a 2010 purple PT Cruiser. Cruiser. Wow. And people being like, this doesn't make any sense. I really like that car, but this one doesn't make any sense. Why do you have this PT Cruiser? Well, I'm I'm confused because you're saying PT Cruiser. Those are also Philip Tomasino's initials. So <laughs> that is a coincidence. That is not what okay. I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, Tomasino is the Camaro here, and I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, All right. I the, the 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 analogy breaks down a little bit, but it, I'm sorry. I, essentially, the point is, you've got a guy that is really good at certain things with the puck. He's, he's, he makes a lot of sense when he's got the puck and he needs to be with guys. First of all, he's more of a playmaker. He's not he's not a Philip Forsberg type, like a, a lethal shooter, like a James Neal or something. He's not like that. He's more of a young Matt Duchesne, I think. I, I think he really looks more – or Mikhail Granlin, maybe. He's a great yeah. passer. He has great vision. He can see the whole ice. He, he, can, he can create individually on his own, but he's really better at like kind of – creating space and then allowing someone else to go into that space. That's what Matthew Shane does really well and Gremlin. Uh, But when the guy that you're creating space for is Cole Smith or Michael McCarron, there were plays in the Carolina game that Tomasino made brilliant. Uh, he would steal the puck and look up ice and make a stretch pass. And then his line mates just didn't have the, the ability to make anything happen with it. And it's like, that's, that's gotta be frustrating for him. And if you move that guy up in the lineup and get him some players like maybe not Johansson, just at least put him with Tolvanen. I mean, at least put him as someone that can shoot and that can 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 play with the puck a little better than those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think back when we were when we were all I say all, but I feel like a lot of us were were begging for the the what we now have as the uh Forsberg Duchesne Grandland line. You know, it, it made so much sense when you saw it. Um it was dynamic. It worked really well. And then, then it was taken away from us. Um, yeah. And we wanted it back. We begged, we finally got it back. And I think the results speak for themselves, quite frankly. Um, <clears throat> so I think, you know, when you've seen Tomasino play with more dynamic playmakers, it works. So then to yeah. then see him mired with guys like McCarron and Cole Smith, um, gosh, you know, you just, you hope that, whatever it is that is driving that decision to, to keep these guys on the ice with him, just some, something changes to say, you know what, this isn't really working. Let's try this. And you yeah. see a change. I mean, that's, that's what we can only, that's what I hope for, but. Well, you know. we, we've kind of already spoiled the, 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 the result here, but basically the second thing that I, I think needs to happen has to do with McCarran and Cole Smith. And that is that they do not need to be in Nashville right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of other options that I think would make more sense one of which would be uh, Tommy Novak. Um, if you remember early in the season, Tommy Novak played with Tomasino and Nick Cousins on a line. The numbers on that, go look at that tweet that I tweeted out. I, I replied to that with a chart that basically shows that Tommy Novak, Tomasino, and Cousins were on a line together that was excellent in terms of generating chances and it suppressing them at the other end. Yeah, um, they have been very good, I, and I don't really know what happened with Tommy Novak. He got COVID like late December, and then never came back to Nashville. Just stayed, he's now in Milwaukee playing playing for the Admirals now. 
that doesn't make any sense to me. Why was Tommy Novak not not immediately returned as soon as he was healthy? Because that line was really good. They were also good on the power play. They were the, they were basically the power play too with Cunning, and yeah. they were great. I mean, even Nick Cousins, who I don't think needs to be on the power play, looked pretty good on the power play with those guys. Oh, and, and that's what you want, right? You want you want players that can lift other players up. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. <laughs> there has to be an element to a player's game to be able to be lifted up. And, and you're saying, or you're seeing, you know, someone like Tomasino kind of struggling on this line with these other line mates. And it's, if it's as simple as changing one thing or you're getting him with someone with just a little bit more skill, you'd think that that would make sense and it would happen. But like you said, Novak's been like COVID and then gone. I mean, he's yeah. playing. It's not like he's, you know, like, still reeling from the after effects of COVID as far as anyone can tell. Yeah. He's just not playing in Nashville. Doesn't make any sense. Hell, I would even take Rocco Grimaldi in Nashville at this point over, over those guys. Rocco Grimaldi on a line with Tomasino, that'd be fine. It wouldn't be good for like the long-term production because Grimaldi's not going to be around next year. But I, I, in the short term, I would take Grimaldi with Tom Tomasino over those guys any day. I mean, Grimaldi has, and by the way, Grimaldi's been very good in Milwaukee. He's, he's yeah. not, he has oh, taken that fire. assignment. And he's taken that assignment and run with it. I mean, he is just, he's just playing very hard and scoring yeah. goals. Um, and then there's Cody Glass. Potentially, that's an option too. Cody Glass has 36 points in 41 games. Um, and uh, yeah, now Nick Cousins is injured right now. I and he's deemed week to week. I'm not sure when we'll get. When, when they'll get him back, uh, I, I don't really know the details there, but it, that's going to be well. But you've got to find something better than, than what Tomasino's dealing with right now. Oh, I agree. A thousand percent. Yeah. But I, I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've got some stats here, Alex. I don't know if Go you're ready it. for this. I don't know if you're ready for this truth bomb that I'm about to drop on you. I can prepare. Some pretty it. serious stuff. and I, Maybe you see it in the notes, but <laughs> there's some stuff – that's not in there that I'm going to share. Are you ready for these okay. numbers? Listen, <clears throat> Novak one, Cole Smith three, McCarran six, Grimaldi negative six. Do you know what these numbers are? I'm plus minus or what is it? Inches above six feet. <laughs> All right, got it. You said inches, and I got worried, but now I understand. <laughs> it's not that kind of show, Alex. Goodness gracious. My kids watch be. this show. My kids watch this show. Okay. All right. But no, here's, inches here's above the thing. Six feet. That inches is above great six feet. And, and I'm going to say this. <clears throat> you can't coach height. You can't coach height. You don't need to. And if what you're going for is a big body out there, Look no further. I mean, it, the argument is right there in front of you as plain as day. McCarron is a tall boy. He's a big boy. Cole Smith is a big boy, too. Now, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, McCarron is our obvious stat leader with six, but I had Cole Smith coming in in second with, with a three. Cody Glass, also a three. Could, could be a good argument there for bringing yeah. him up. And so if I'm looking at the numbers, and these numbers do seem to dictate who's on the ice, um, Glass would probably be the first one I'd see coming. Um, Tomasino is like a zero, I think, right? Because I think he's exactly six feet. Yeah, I didn't look that one up. I'll look him up real quick. I think maybe he, he may be a negative one. I'm not he's sure. He's six foot. He's a zero. Okay. Tomasino's so he's, a zero. He's, he's even. 
Philip Forsberg's only a one. We're, we're talking about different things on the fourth line, though, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to look at the at the second line and start worrying about their uh, inches yeah, over I, six I feet if they're putting up big numbers. I mean, this you got to have if, – if this is the style of game you're going for, this is the kind of fourth line you want is a big fourth line. And I – I mean, but it's just – it. I, I know you're being you're you're being facetious here, and and you're say, saying this saying this tongue in cheek, of course. But this is this is the John Hines way. When when just, it comes to or, when it comes to ordering cans of beer, John Hines is tall boys all day. Nothing wrong right? with that. Nothing tall wrong boys. with that. He wants tall boys. Yeah. Why why have twelve ounces when you could have? 16. I, you know, I think, I think Hines understands what works better in his system, but I think he's giving way too much credit for some of the guys that just don't, that can't, that can't put it together. He, you know, he got, he got Janot in there. Who's a bigger guy. Uh, Trennan's not huge, but he's, he's, he plays bigger for sure. And so yeah, I think he maybe wants to recreate that and find that in Cole Smith or, or Michael McCarron. He's been, he's been pushing the Cole Smith. Remember, Cole Smith made the opening night roster in John Hines' yeah. first, year, first full year. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. We were all very shocked and surprised. <laughs> yeah. So to, to over Tolvanen and over, you know, all kinds of guys. Um, so uh, very good point, very good stat, because uh, I, I think that, that is something that's just worth – as long as John Hines is in town, he's always going to prefer that. And it's it's going to – you know, I, I wonder if they're going to draft similarly to that, if they're gonna only going to draft bigger dudes. I can't remember. I don't think most, maybe some of the guys they drafted last year are like that, but yeah, it's a very good point by you. So, um, okay. Let me just touch on this briefly. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this, but I, I wanted to add an addendum to this two things that need to happen. There are two things that don't need to happen. Um, one of those is that Roman Yossi does not need to change anything about his game. That guy is dominating. He is like an integral part of this team's everything, their attack, their defense, special teams, all of it. He is a huge, huge part of it. I'll tell you right now, if something were to happen to Roman Yossi, this team would fall apart. It completely fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and I think we – let's see. Didn't he miss two games earlier in the season and they lost both of them? They, they lost both of them, yeah. Yeah, and I – you're probably someone's probably going to say, "Well, they just lost four games with them, guys." But uh, no, I, you're right. I, I think anyone who's honestly watching the game and and paying attention at all, like they see Roman Yossi doing everything out there. I mean, the entire offense runs through him. He is, I mean, you know, okay, take that slashing play, that slashing play that he had that, that committed a penalty. As you pointed out, like if he doesn't do that, it's an empty net goal, anyways. Yeah, it's not like. <laughs> So it, 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 the, the guy always makes good decisions. I mean, of course he makes mistakes. Everyone does. But I don't, I don't think there's anything about Roman Yossi that needs to change at all. No, no, no. I, you know, you say he, he took that slashing penalty, but it would have been an empty net goal. I mean, the fact that he was there to begin with is, you know, he was in the right place to make it happen. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I don't think you can take away from Yossi is he always seems to be everywhere he needs to be. Um, the man can see the ice. The man can see where plays are going. He can see what things, 
what things are going to happen before they happen. And it's, it's almost otherworldly the way, what is it? Uh, Chris Mason calls him, uh, does he call him the night crawler? One of the X-Men that can, you know, uh, teleport from place to place. I think that's yeah. a pretty apt description yeah, um, it is. because he's exactly where he needs to be about 99% of the time. You yeah. Never really take that away. So For no, sure. he doesn't need to change anything he's doing. And then the other thing that doesn't need to change, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've already talked about this guy a lot, um, and we might have more to talk about in the future because the trade deadline will come up. But they they do not need to trade Philip Forsberg. I think that is no. settled. I think that they. I don't think they will. I think that there's there's no amount of, well, there's not no amount, but there, there's very little that David Poyle would give up to to trade Philip Forsberg right now. They need him. And they have the money to resign him if they can just get the whatever the details that are not fixed yet. I'm guessing it's term. If they can get those details worked out, uh, they have the money to sign him to what he wants. So they it's, need to do that. It's got to be term. Uh, you, you, <clears> put <throat> yeah, out an article, you put out an article that was, was really, really helpful and explanatory, I think, uh, talking about how signing Borvieski really helps you know, kind of yeah. ensure that there's a ton of cap space left. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, the only thing I could see, and I don't want to go down hypothetical, you know, boulevard here, but unless it was some kind of blockbuster Wayne Gretzky-esque, you know, acquisition, I, I don't see anything happening. You know, I, I don't see him right. going anywhere. Unless they, for whatever reason, can't agree on term, which – you know, at this point, why not? I, I think so. the 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 blockbuster thing um, is not a. That is the only possibility I see because, it, like, if they were to trade, let's let's take. I'm not. I'm just throwing out a name out here because I don't know that this person would even get traded. But um, let's say that it was someone that is like is already locked up to a long term deal on another team yeah. that the Predators could take on. In order for this other team, and, and then there was also a trade. Uh, it was like a, tra- a trade and sign where like Forsberg is traded and then signs. Almost similar to the Kyle Turris thing. The the, the, the original Matthew Shane, Kyle Turris, Sam Gerrard, Senators Avalanche Predators thing, where the issue was contract with Kyle Turris. He didn't want to be in Nash or in Ottawa anymore, so they trade him to Nashville. He signs in Nashville. Duchesne goes to Ottawa. Colorado gets all that stuff. Something like that, I think you could see if it was like a three-team deal or maybe just two-team deal where there's a trade and sign aspect and the Predators are getting someone that's very good in return that's already signed through uh, a lot of years. Uh, I really yeah. can't think of an example of who that would be, but um, I don't know, Johnny Goudreau or something. I, <laughs> I but Probably not him, but I'm just saying like someone like that that's like, a good player that's already signed and they could count on for the next few years to be there because that that's the only way for or uh, Poyle would be willing to give up Forsberg is if he knows he's getting a quality player in return. He doesn't want to do it just for draft picks. This team is not a no. sell off and build up draft capital right now kind of team. No. And, I, and I'm going to tell you just you, you putting a name out there just made me sad. <laughs> I, that I, that name is not they're they're not that I shouldn't have mentioned that name. I, I'm just no, I was but, thinking of a player that's like because they're the same age, I think, or they're at least close. But what what name there's a I think there is a very short list of names that you could put there that would yield any kind of positive response. I mean 
There probably I mean, is a very short list. Mark Stone yeah. would be the only other one that would list it. That would that would be pretty positive. Yeah, he's he's a good player. If we're talking about like actual tradable people. Yeah, no, you're right. So, um, all right. So yeah, there, there's a, a a lot going on now. We got to spend some time talking about next week because there's a lot going on next week. Um, the first thing is that Predators play Tuesday at Florida, and that is a 6 p.m. start. Uh, wait, is that a makeup game too? No, I think so. It might be. I think so because I believe it was going to be the first game back was uh, Dallas, and then immediately yeah. into the stadium series. So the last of the makeup games is Tuesday at Florida. It's a 6 p.m. start, and then the craziness begins. Oh first boy! Of, <laughs> Thursday, uh. They take on the Dallas Stars at home. It's a 7.30 p.m. start for the game because prior to that is the Rene Pecorine number retirement ceremony. Pecorine is already in town. Did you see the Preds tweeted that or uh, put that on Instagram? He's already here. I did see um, that, and I, I felt like I felt like when he's here, the state just seems a little better. <laughs> the weather got better. Weather got better. It warmed up, it warmed up for the last 24 hours yeah. because yeah. Pecorine is in town. Um that's going to be fun. And then uh, do you want to talk about Friday night? Yeah, but in, but before I talk about Friday night, oh. I do want to mention that you said the, the craziness starts on Thursday. Really, Alex, the craziness starts tomorrow on Monday. Do you know why? Why? Because tomorrow the Nashville Zoo is naming a goat after Pecorine. Oh. I did see that. Now, what, what does that mean? Me. Is, is he going to be there? He will be there. I mean that's impressive. They're naming the goat Pekka, right? I guess yes. that's right. Yes. Okay. They're not naming wait, yeah. I was gonna make a joke, but it was dumb. Um yeah, <laughs> they're naming they're naming the goat Pekka. Um <clears throat> it's so there'll be a uh, a literal goat there and also a figurative goat there. Right. Okay. Um, but yes, let's oh well yeah, fast forward to Friday. So so Thursday, the Rene game, Friday, what happens? Yeah, Friday is pretty exciting. Um, and and I'll say this: Friday, of course, everyone is invited. Alex, I know, I know you're invited, and I'm pretty sure you'll be there. I'm to the be there. Uh, to the Renegades of Puck home base freakout, and that is at the uh, Tailgate Brewery, which in this location is 1538 Demunbrian Street. Uh, we had talked about that last week, and I said I'm pretty sure it's on Demunbrian. I was right. Now right. I've got an address that starts at seven o'clock. Um, going to be a lot of special guests there including Mike Fisher, um, Alex Doherty will be there. Um, <laughs> Sean Smith. I'll be there. Uh, Bobby Ryan will be there. It, it, a lot of pretty cool hockey names. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, the wrestler Eric Young, of course, will be there. But uh, we'd like to see everybody out there. It's just a good chance for the entire Nashville hockey community to get together and have a good time in advance of the stadium series. A um, couple of other pretty exciting things happening. Um, they're having at the Ford Ice Center, uh, in Bellevue on Saturday from eight in the morning to 1 p.m., a veterans showcase where four teams of veterans from across the country are coming together to play in a hockey tournament. It should be pretty exciting. Uh, maybe something else you'd want to check out. And of course, of course, you don't even need a ticket to the game to come to this, but the whole pregame festivities will be open for anybody who wants to go down. Um, I know for a fact that the Stanley Cup will be there. There you go. 
The Stanley so Cup will be on hand. On hand for you to stand by and preferably not touch. Especially, especially if you're a Tampa Bay fan because you've touched it enough. Yeah, they have. Are they bringing it with them? I guess they just bring it with them. I don't know. Uh, no, I think the guy that – I think they've probably had their turn with it and then it's back in its little velvet-lined right. box. Right. So, yeah, the Stadium Series game, I went and took some pictures of the, the build-out uh, at the hockey rink build-out. It's, it's looking pretty good. I think that the final – the images of the final, uh, how it's going to look on, on game day are pretty spectacular. I'm, I'm pretty excited about what that's going to look like. It's going to be all, like, lit up with the little yeah. lines and pyro stuff. It's going to be crazy. I think it's going to look great. Yeah, that overlay, the overlay that they're going to have out there, I, I think – when I saw the initial rendering, I said, this is going to look awesome. And then they started talking about how all the elements were designed to look like neon signs. And my curiosity was, I mean, yeah. obviously you can't put neon like that on the ground. It'll, it'll break. It's very fragile and delicate. But I followed up with the, uh, with the NHL and they said that, in fact, all that would be lit up with LEDs, which I think is going to look really, really good. That's going to um, be great. The fact that it's at night. I mean, if you look back on the Winter Classic, which took place during the day, you just kind of lose that element for for that uh, glow, I guess, under the lights in the mm-hmm. dark out there. So that's that's going to be. It's it's weird to me that at my age I'm that excited about the way something's going to be lit, but I'm pretty excited. It's going to be great. I, I, I'm looking yeah. forward to what the final product looks like. It'll be a fun time, uh, no. and hopefully, a lot of people will show up. I think I think it's uh, got a chance to, to have a lot of people. I wonder how many Bolts fans will be coming too. So, I, I've heard yeah. there's a big faction coming, talking to our uh, to the uh, on the forecheck uh, sister site for the Tampa Bay Lightning Raw Charge. They said they've got a ton of people coming. It is a it's, fan base that travels well, so I yeah. think I think we'll have a big showing. I think it'll be really good. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Good, good one. We got a lot, got a lot covered here. You can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sportsnational.com and go to on the forecheck as well. Uh, check out Sean and everything that they they write over there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at alexdarty one. Follow Sean at scsotf, and we will see everyone next week after all these huge games. Really looking forward to it. See you guys at the home base takeover freakout. Home base freakout, Alex. Home base freakout. Check it out, and we'll see everyone next week.